welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hi, Ellen. I am outstanding. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So today we are going to be talking about In Bed with a Highlander by Maya Banks, and later we are going to talk about romantic expectations for romance readers. But first, mom, what have you been reading? What have I been reading? Interesting question. Um, what was our last book? Earthbound? Yeah. Okay. No. Well, yes, it is. Yeah, Earthbound was the last one since we did this question. Don't. I, I I'm know sorry. things. I'm sorry. Okay. So after Earthbound, I finished the Camilla Monk series. Okay. I read Butterfly and Amber and Apache Strike Force. Okay. Which is the novella. Um. I then read, well, no, actually, in between there, I read Bulldozer, which was the book we did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read In Bed with a Highlander. Mm-hmm. And after I finished In Bed with a Highlander, now I'm reading the second book in that series, which is, I don't know, something about- a Highlander or something. <laughs> Maybe we should. I don't know the name of it. It's a similar thing, though. <laughs> it's, it's doing a Highlander. <laughs> Sticking it to a Highlander. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it is Seduction of a Highland Lass. There you go. <laughs> it's the same title. <laughs> no, it's talking about the her this time. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, it wasn't much. It's, it's not much of a seduction, but yes. Okay. Um, so keeping up with the theme of 2019, I have read, oh, we have a theme. Do we I have, have a theme? Nothing else. <laughs> Oh, Ellen, what are we going to do with you? <laughs> I, I, I promise. As soon as you decide to go to a weekly podcast, you decide that you want to get a life and it's completely destroying everything we've worked for. I know. I know. Here's the thing. I am going to read because I really want to read um, 99% Mine by Sally Thorne. And so I am making that happen in this next chunk. I will have read that book. Um, sure sure you will have (laughs) i will um (laughs) yeah this month is gonna be also tough for me so we'll we'll see how it goes (laughs) yes we will (laughs) so i promise i will start becoming a reader again you need to read something that's longer than a sentence on a text message okay stop at you Okay, so today we are going to be talking about In Bed with a Highlander by Maya Banks. It is the first book in her McCabe trilogy, which all feature, you guessed it, the McCabe brothers. Um, So my description for this book is as follows. Marin Stewart has gone through her entire life fearing the moment that a man would come and take her away to marry her. Being the illegitimate daughter of the king, her hand comes with a large dowry and a much-coveted piece of land. She escapes the clutches of one man after her land... She escapes the clutches of one man after her land, only to fall into the hands of another, Ewan McCabe. Ewan sees marriage to the fierce lass as the only way to protect her from the men who would use her and the best way to reestablish his clan. But in Marin, Ewan may find more than just funds and revenge. Perhaps love? Yes. (laughs) It's a romance? Is is it a question? Yes. (laughs) So, Mom, what did you think of In Bed with a Highlander? 
<laughs> I liked it. I thought it was a fun read. I it's nothing, uh, you know, Nobel Prize winning, but it was what. <laughs> but it was fun, and it was you know light, and I got through it quickly, and yeah. it was just a quick. Uh, historical romance definitely a book one um because it's definitely setting up a bigger arc that is obviously going to take place over the three books Um, right that with duncan cameron um yeah i so i read this book a long time ago it was actually like one of the very first romance books i read um, when this I, was one of the first romance books you read? Yeah, it was, actually. Um, Jeez. You have to be afraid of men when you walked around. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely one of the early ones I read uh, when I first started reading, like, straight-up romance. Um, so I didn't remember a whole lot about it. Um, but, yeah, I kind of like you said. I liked it. It's 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 fun. It's whatever. Um yeah, like you said, nothing groundbreaking, but it's, uh, and it's a fun, I always, I do like to read the Highlander, the Scottish romances, just because they kind of are their own bag, you know, and, yeah, and they're fun. I mean, they're very, um, they're very alpha kind of males. Always. Always. And, you know, anyway, I think we're going to get into more of this in the discussion part, but. Yes, it was it was fun, and we and we haven't ever talked about a Highlander book on the podcast, so yeah. here we are. So here we are. So what did you think of Marin as our heroine? That's how you were saying her name, right, Marin? Marin, yes, yeah, that's okay. how I said it. Yeah, um, I really liked Marin. I thought she was fun. She was feisty. She's everything we like in a heroine. She was. Yeah. Um, she didn't take a lot of crap, grief. Yeah, no, from. She did not. Uh, I mean. And she got a lot of crap. <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> but um, no, she was tough, and and uh, I I thought she was great. I like that she was tough, but she was also, you know, sweet and yeah, tender. You know, and she was really sweet with Crispin, his son. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, I really liked the dynamic of those two bonding even before she met you. And yeah, so. And, yeah, I loved how, like, intensely she protected him. Like, she just, yes. like, threw herself over him if anybody even wanted to. Even when they came to rescue him and she didn't know who they were. So she was, yeah. like, desperately trying to protect him. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I really liked her as, especially with these Highlander heroes, you have to have a girl that's not going to take any crap, you know? Right. And, um yeah, so I really liked her and how she just kind of demanded respect, like, right away. And right. I liked her inability to not voice whatever she was thinking. I liked that thread running <laughs> in throughout. Fact, yeah, and there's a lot of things where she thinks she's saying it in her head, but she's actually saying it out loud. Yeah, and so, so they respond to her. And yeah. yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, I wrote down this quote just because I thought it was funny. Uh it was towards the beginning when um, she finds out that he's telling people that they're going to get married before she's even said, you know, before she's even agreed to it. And um, she's trying to find him and she says, believe me when I say this is a matter of life and death, his life and his death. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I just, I liked how feisty she is and how much like the whole clan ended up like loving her for that. 
And yeah. Um, yeah, she was fun. And I think, and I like how she makes friends. She bonds with the women in the clan, and yeah, and I think that's a cute dynamic with her and the other women. And yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. What did you think of Ewan McCabe as our hero? I like Ewan. Okay, so here's the deal. He is a Highlander, and I think that he's got that alpha ness in mm-hmm. him, and uh, um, so I think he tends to be bossy and demanding Mm -hmm. and i think that she realizes okay he's this way but he's really got a good heart and he's really a good person Mm -hmm. so um you know i'm gonna i can temper that i can i can live with him being bossy as long as i know i can tell him to because he's he's not and especially in the subsequent book he's uh he's actually very sweet and tender with her because she she's pregnant in the in the second book yeah and um he's very sweet and accommodating and so this is a this is kind of a trope that comes up a lot especially in the highlander books and the scottish books um but this big brutish man that's kind of brought low by love and i think especially with these lairds you know that were i mean they were like the guy of this clan and they expected respect and you know they would honest they would kill people who did not respect them (laughs) so you have that kind of um you have that kind of dynamic in a romance so how do you make that work and i think that that's why you see this crop up a lot is in these scottish romances is you have to have these guys who soften up for a girl, you know, and, um, and yeah, and so I think that's a big dynamic of this one is just him kind of, them finding a compromise of him being this laird and demanding respect, but her being his wife and also demanding respect from him. Demanding her respect. Yeah. Um, and so... He was very alpha and very demanding in some parts, but I I think that's why she needed to be as feisty as she is. She needs to, like, make it clear, like, no, I will obey you in certain respects, but you do not get to boss me around. <laughs> like, that's right. not how this is going to work. <clears throat> um, so I like that element and that compromise that they end up kind of getting to eventually. Right. Um, he is slightly problematic in some parts. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but I, I ended up liking their dynamic that they, that they reach. Yes. Um, and I wrote down this line for him. He said, when she was his wife, he'd take great delight in advising her of her duty to him and most important, her obligation to obey him without question. And I wrote that down because it's funny that that ends up not being the case. Not being even remotely the case. <laughs> um, okay. So we had our friend on Instagram, uh, at my shitty bookstagram on Instagram. <laughs> Um, you guys should follow her. She's uh, she's a book reviewer on Instagram, and she's she's fun, and I I really do like her reviews. Um, and she sent us in a message, and her review of the book. She said, "Oh man, I hated that book. It was a DNF for me." And her review that she sent in that she had written for this book says, 
This was quite possibly one of the worst romance novels I've read, and definitely the worst one that I've read in a while. I found it so offensive and repugnant that I couldn't even finish the damn thing. Essentially what happens in this story is everyone is after the heroine for marriage because she has a huge parcel of land attached to her dowry. This is so bad that she's been hidden in a a convent since she was a little girl. She gets kidnapped but finally finds herself in a sort of refuge, only for the leader of that place to decide to use her for marriage too. He basically gives her a choice, marry me or I'll take you back to the other guy that wants to marry you, who had just beaten her to within an inch of her life, by the way. Seriously. So obviously she marries him, but during the ceremony they find out that the bad guy is on his way, so the hero, quote-unquote hero, rushes her out of the ceremony and into their room where he literally rapes her to prove his ownership. I'm not kidding, guys. Keep in mind this girl was raised by literal nuns. She didn't even know the effing mechanics of sex. The book goes on. Yes, I kept reading. I was still holding out hope, and it actually gets worse. The husband is verbally abusive and beyond controlling. The heroine makes mistakes, and the hero gets angry. It got to the point that all I could do was complain, so I stopped reading. It can be hard for me to stop reading, especially if something is bad, because I want to share it with you guys, but I just couldn't do it. Um, so yeah. So, that was her review. Mom, your thoughts? My thoughts are, <laughs> I, I agree with the events, the, those events did take place. I would but... quibble. I would quibble slightly on her saying that Ewan tells her, "You marry me, or I take you back to that guy." I don't remember yeah. that ever being. The I other don't remember option. that either. But he and he even he never even really threatened to send her out into the wilderness or anything, you know, to fend for herself. But yeah. but he just um, kind of present. If I'm remembering it correctly, which it's possible I'm not, but he just kind of presents it to her like, you can marry me, I'll be able to protect you, da-da-da-da-da, right. or you can figure out what you're going to do, and good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't... Um, and that was really his thing, is yeah. if we're married, I can protect you. And that's the whole... And he, I, I quibble with the fact that he raped her, because he didn't rape her. He essentially... Mm made things go a little quicker than he wanted to. I mean, she was willing. It's not like yeah. she wasn't. Um, and because he needed to prove to Cameron that he had had sex with her and that and she that was no longer... getting thrown back in their face a little it bit. It does but. end up getting thrown back in his face. But he needed to prove to him that she was... that they were married and consummated because in Scotland, especially, you had to consummate that marriage in order for it to be real. If it hadn't been consummated, then he still could have come and taken her away. Yeah. And and it wouldn't have been uh, a legal marriage. Yeah. So that was his proof that he had had sex with her and that needed to take place before he went out and did battle with Cameron. And then he kind of made up for it later when he apologized to her for having to take her like that. Yeah. And um, also, I don't know what she's referring to when she says that he got abusive with her. I mean, he was... He verbally kind of a, she says like verbally verbally abusive right and you have to agree like to a certain extent on that a little bit but that was just a fun part of the story where she just wouldn't take his crap i mean he would get verbally abusive and she's just like you know she's just she wouldn't take any of that but i also think because we're dealing with highlander stories i think it's more accurate than yeah i mean i don't think these guys were i was gonna say all, i feel like 
maybe historicals have sort of desensitized me to this like forced marriage idea um because that ha- that's kind of a trope in in romance where these you know little young virgins get forced into a marriage with this brooding alpha for whatever reason and um so maybe I'm just desensitized and I feel like if it if if we were putting this in a modern day setting I would I would hate it like oh, there's yeah. no way you can make it work in a modern day setting really um but uh yeah I think and and I wonder because I feel like this is a thing that happens a lot in the yeah like the Scottish romances and the Highlander romances well and they weren't all Jamie Frasers I mean yeah they they that's the way they were raised and that's that was their culture at the time and with that within that culture Ewan was a pretty nice guy comparatively because yeah. I think that a lot of them were very abrasive and uh, maybe not as mean as Cameron was to her but but I think you know, that was think, more com- I think Cameron's uh, treatment of her was like maybe more not more common but but no it exactly was more historically accurate than some of it and especially since she didn't have a father or anyone to protect her she was really kind of out there on her own Mm -hmm. and so that's why they felt like they could go and kidnap her and force her into marriage because there was no one to protect her or or, you know she didn't have anyone to champion her and um so Ewan even though you know maybe it wasn't perfect but he was doing what he felt was right yeah. to secure her and keep her safe. That's That sex scene is so sad. Like, their first time is so sad yeah. because they were, like, feeling each other and, you know, they were both kind of having these, like, you know, touches and things like that that were getting them all hot and bothered. And then they have to, like, hurry up and just yeah. do He's this. like, sorry, lass. Yeah. <laughs> and it was sad. But, like, I totally get everything. Like, I, I totally get everything where you're coming from, um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it is, it is full of trigger warnings, I guess, for, for some people. I guess I've just read too many or enough, uh, <laughs> Scottish romances that I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is, this is just how they always seem to go. I don't know. Yeah. Am I, am I misremembering that? I don't know. Well, I haven't read too many of them myself, but, um... I just think men in general back then, even in the, you know, one set in England where these men are all sweet and accommodating, I don't think that was the norm. I think mm-hmm. that they were more uh, brutish than well, most of these books make them out to be. And like we said, I think that's why this is such a trope in especially the, the Highlander romances is you have to bring these guys down a peg. And that's... Right. That seems to happen in every single one of these books is um, these guys have to realize, like, oh, I don't have to be as bossy and domineering with her. And, you know, I think that's why that ends well, up. Well, once they realize they're in love, then they realize, I don't want to treat her that way. I, yeah. I want her to be. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, that's how we feel about that. And. Listen, everybody is welcome to disagree with us on that, and um, and I appreciate my shitty bookstagram for sending that review in because it's I think it's an interesting perspective, and I think it's a valid perspective with this book um, because it it does have some especially that that first scene is hard to read where she's getting 
beat up oh, by Cameron and that is hard to read and then she's in so much pain and trying to protect the little boy and I know and you knew that they were going to use the little boy against her if they had the opportunity and yeah. it was it was a bad situation um I think though I it's very hard for us to put our modern day perspective on all these historical romance on all these historical situations because it's just not the way it was. And like I said, I think yeah. a lot of these historical romances are inaccurate of their portrayal. Yeah. yeah, of these men where they're all, I mean, just the fact <laughs> that the women come first all the time <laughs> is a little inaccurate, I believe. But, you know. How dare you? No. How dare I? <laughs> I'm sure all the men were made, making sure that the women were satisfied long before them and didn't care. <laughs> but... um like, I think that's a little silly to believe that that's accurate. But I get, you know, they're for our pleasure. Yes. <laughs> um, however, I we have to keep the historical perspective on some of these, and we can't always hold them up to our contemporary yeah. you know, standards. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate you sending in your views. I hope we didn't sound like we disagreed too much, because I, I do agree with... Well, like I said to Ellen, just... yep, all those things happened. It just didn't bother me as much as it did. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about sex, baby. So other than that awful first time, it was all pretty good, right? Yeah, it was pretty sweet. I loved her talk with the women, and the women yeah. are trying to, you know, explain different sexual things to her because she wants to make her man happy. Well, I like how she's, like, basing all of her sexual knowledge on what she learned from Mother Serenity. (laughs) From the the nuns. She's like, I think maybe she doesn't know everything that she was talking about. And they're like, yeah. Well, no, the funny thing is when she kept telling her husband, I don't think you're very good at loving because you're not doing anything right. (laughs) And I like how that keeps coming up later, This the fact that she told him that he wasn't very good. I like when she says that in front of his brother, and his brother's like, oh, did you now? <laughs> did, did she say that? Oh, huh. um, I wrote down this line, though, that Maddie says during their talk. They, she said, there's little decency to good loving. If tis decent, it isn't much fun. Um, <laughs> tis <or> true. I, <laughs> right, right. Here. Um, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, I thought I thought it was fun. There's nothing really to write home about with the sex scenes in this one, um, but I did I did find it funny that she had learned everything she knew f- about sex from a nun, and so nun. having to kind of be faced with the realities of sex was kind of. Funny. And I think that her husband really felt bad that it had to go the way it went on their first time. Yeah, and. Because he makes up for it later, and he's very tender and sweet with her. And I think it's cute when he fixes her dress. Yeah. Yeah. That was that sweet. Was cute. Uh, okay. He didn't fix it. He made someone else fix yeah, it. Yeah, but you know what But is. he got it taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be doing women's work. No, um, no. So what was your swooniest moment? My swooniest moment? Well, I loved when he rescued her. You know, after she'd been kidnapped by Cameron. Oh, mm-hmm. And um, she didn't know if it was him. And he's like, it's me. I'm here to save you. And <laughs> yeah, that was, it was cute. cute. And then, uh, I don't know. There was a lot of swoony moments. I did love when um, he was, you know, trying to 
have sex with her the second time and make it sweet and tender and and let her come first this time yeah because that's a thing you know (laughs) that is a thing (laughs) um i liked the sick bed after she had been poisoned and he just keeps like yelling at her like you love to disobey me but you're going to obey me in this in this like you are going to stay alive and (laughs) we love a good sick bed scene we do and just the fact that he's with her while she's just puking and puking and puking (laughs) he's like man that's a good man right there (laughs) yeah because mom hates puke so that was (sighs) yeah um but yeah so i i like that you know I, i i always like a good sick bed scene um okay any other thoughts on this book mom no, it was, I mean, I liked it enough that I'm reading the second one. And if she thought the first one was rapey, the second one's way rapier, <laughs> I'm feeling. I mean, it's not bad. I'm enjoying it. But it's, uh, there's some crazy sex in the second book. Oh, boy. They ramp it up a notch. Yeah, I was going to say, I've read other, like, Maya Banks does, she's more known, I think, for her contemporaries. And her contemporaries are saucy. Mom's not allowed to read them. <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> So, comment of the week goes to Nara Melissa, who, when I asked who was ready for our discussion of In Bed with a Highlander, Nara said, as ready as Marin was for her first time, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) That is the comment of the week on Nara. We love her. I love her. Um, Okay, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on In Bed with a Highlander by Maya Banks. We would love to hear more from you, especially if anybody wants to weigh in on what they thought of the more problematic portions of the book. Um, we would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is at not your mom's rom, or you can email us at not your mom's romance book club at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you on February 11th. We will be discussing Rafe by Rebecca Weatherspoon in our next mini episode. Um, for now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about romance readers and their expectations of real-life romance, so stay with us. It's time for a break. It's time for a break. It is time for a break. The break is when we do the news and the mail. It is time for a break. There we go. Oh, that was very good, Ellen. Thank you. Um, that was good. Nara requested that I do the jingle in boys to men style, so that's as good as I can do. Because, you know, <laughs> boys implies that there's more than one boy. <laughs> Neither and... are you boys nor men, so. <laughs> and I'm not plural boys nor men. <laughs> um, okay, so, as the jingle says, it's when we do the news in the mail. So let's get into some mail that we've gotten. So Paige on Twitter asked, if you wanted to introduce a guy to the romance genre, what book would you recommend? A guy. So I had your dad read, because um, I had him read The Eyes of Silver, Eyes of, Eyes of Gold. Eyes of Silver, Eyes of Gold. Uh-huh. The Ellen O'Connell. O'Connor? O'Connell? O'Connell, I think. And um, just because he's a horse guy, mm-hmm. and it had horses. Mm-hmm. And he did like that part, but he would make fun of me during the sex scenes. I'm like, just read him and enjoy him and stop talking to me about it. <laughs> I think I responded to Paige and I told her it's I, it's just like how I would recommend to a, a girl. You know, it's 
find out what they like outside of the genre and then recommend something that's kind of in keeping with that because there's a romance novel in any genre that you want yeah exactly so if it's a guy that likes like action movies or you know kind of detective stories or something maybe like a jd rob or um if it's a guy that's kind of nerdy i would go with a penny reed um it makes me think of i think i've told this story before but um when one time when i was like 16 i was into like the chick lit genre and I had this book called um I think it was The Waitress by Melissa Nathan in my purse and because my brother was always bored during church he pulled this book out of my purse and he starts reading it and he thought some of it was funny and so he's like hey let's make a deal you read a Chuck Palahniuk book and I'll read this book I'm like don't make me go into a bet just because you want to read my book and have an excuse to read it. <laughs> just read it. Yeah, just read it. Um, but he didn't. But yeah, just find out what they like outside of the genre and then find something that kind of lines up Well, with and that. if they like like action stuff, the Camilla Monk books were really good and yeah. didn't have a lot of sex in them. Yeah, so there you go. That's a good one. That would be a good... Um, I really enjoyed that series. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, like, a lot of mysteries, and I think those are palatable to guys. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of hard for me to, like, pin down, like, this is what I would... I would, like, I think a J.D. Robb would... I don't know. Mom, we should get you on a J.D. Robb. I think you I would, like... I haven't read J.D. Robb. Yeah, it's Nora Roberts. It's her pen name for these mystery books that she does, which... I'm intrigued. I think Nora Roberts is also a pen name, but... Um, anyway... Uh, okay, we got an email from Kathy. She says, Hi, girls. I just finished listening to the Bulldozer mini episode. Great job reviewing the book. I read the book last week in preparation for the podcast, and I have to say that I really liked it, too. I hadn't heard of it until learning that was the next book up for review, and it pleasantly took me by surprise. The book blurb sounded good, but it was way better than I thought it was going to be. And I just have to say that I am thoroughly enjoying your mini episodes that you are incorporating in between the more detailed podcasts. It's giving me more books to learn about and read, and I'm enjoying the weekly discussions with the two of you. She says, I know it's a lot of extra work for you, but thank you for the extra awesome podcasts. Also, on a side note, Ellen, inquiring minds want to know, are you having your own romantic situation going on? There's some... Are you, Ellen? There's some elusive (laughs) comments being made on these last two episodes that may cause a person to think you got something going on. Winky face. Just teasing you, you are no way obligated to let your podcast community know about your personal life. But if you are, you go, girl. You definitely deserve it. Um, hmm. All that's true. Here's the deal. I always say things on the sly that would go completely unnoticed, except Ellen's reaction always ruins it. So I might be guilty of throwing some stuff out there, but Ellen's reaction makes it bad. So, okay, so... Guy and I just talked about this, about the podcast. Oh, did you? And he said that he's like, I don't think I'm going to listen just because I want it to be your thing. I think that might just be what he's saying um, because he doesn't want to listen to it. Um, <laughs> your dad doesn't listen to it. Your brothers don't listen yeah. to it. No one in our family listens to it. Um, so I think I could talk about it. Um, basically, for the inquiring minds that want to know, um, mom and this couple that goes to church with her 
in her in my hometown in our hometown well i've known her family for years and years and years yeah. i used to babysit her when she was younger so they have a friend that is single and i am single and mom and this couple thought it would be fun to set us up um so he lives many states away um but him and i have been texting since september um he came out uh to mom's to mom's location um at christmas time when i was also there and took me out on a couple dates um that went really well yeah and then he was just out in my location a couple weeks ago and i am going to his location in a couple weeks so (laughs) it's going well girls (laughs) it's it's going yeah so we'll see so i don't yeah do i need to say anything else about that no okay no (laughs) (laughs) but i bet you get some questions (laughs) Anyway. I shouldn't say girls. Maybe there's guys out there listening to our podcast, right? We have at least one that we know of, right? Um, Okay, so Kathy continues. Aside from that. Um, In the previous week's podcast, you asked if anyone would want a rom-com movie spotlight. I would be interested and have one suggest in case you incorporate it. Called When in Rome. The movie stars Kristen Bell and Josh Duhamel and is about an ambitious New York museum curator who has been very unlucky in love on a last minute trip to Rome for her sister's wedding. She impulsively steals some coins from the reputed fountain of love and is then aggressively pursued back in the States by an unlikely band of suitors. It's pretty funny and has a sweet H E A. I've actually seen, I think I might even own I, that one. I've seen it a long time ago. I don't remember any. I remember Kristen Bell was in it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember much about it. I think we However, might do... Yeah, go ahead. Sometimes it depends on who I saw a movie with. Because if I saw it with, like, a bunch of people who thought it was lame, then it's harder to enjoy it. But um, I, I'm i all for watching it again now with yeah. my new romance glasses on. Yeah. Um, I think we are going to do start incorporating some of the rom-com movie spotlights just because you guys seemed to like that idea. We won't do it, like every week but we might do it now and again when we need a second topic um and kathy says lastly i have another book recommendation or should i say books for you the bootleg spring series by lucy score and claire kingsley they are funny small town romances with different tropes each book focusing on a sibling of a feisty family remind me a little of our beloved winston's along with an interwoven mystery that will come to a conclusion by the final book. There are four books out right now, and the authors have said they would try to wrap up the final two by the end of this year. The fourth came out right at the beginning of January, and I spent the winter break and holidays plowing through the first three to be ready for that fourth release. I think you both would enjoy them. She says, Happy New Year of reading to you both, Kathy. And then she says, P.S. I never know if you prefer suggestions and comments through social media or email. I'm one of the rare people who isn't on social media trying to lead by example for my daughter, which is why I sent emails to you girls, and I hope that's okay. We love any form of communication, Kathy, so you keep sending in emails, and we'll keep reading them. Yes, we we love them all. The nice thing about emails is Ellen can just forward them to me, and then it's easy for me to read them. 
Um, so thanks, Kathy. Uh, I think that recommendation sounds good. We like a small town yeah. romance and mystery. Like, we like all of those things. So we'll have to check that one out. Um, okay, and then we got another email from Katie. Katie weighed in on our second topic, so I'll read some of her email uh, when we when we talk about that. Um, but she also said, I have really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I am the daughter of a military vet um, father with two siblings, uh, and hearing you talk to each other about your family reminds me so much of my own. My dad is now an international pilot who is living abroad three out of the four weeks. My parents are still together. I don't know how my mom does it. I have so much respect for mothers who live that kind of life and kept families together. I have tried to get my mom to read some with me. I suggested the Bridgerton series since she likes historical shows on Netflix, and that's upcoming. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, I really appreciate the content you are creating and look forward to episodes. I'm so happy you're putting them out weekly now. Thank you for what you do. She said, a few books I have been loving lately in case you're looking for something new. Mariana Zapata's Culty. How did I take this long to read a Zapata? I'm on a kick now. Uh, we liked Culty. I would say uh, From Lukov with Love is my favorite Mariana Zapata. So if you haven't read that one, Katie, then you should get on that. I really liked Walla Winnipeg too, though. It's yeah. hard to. Um, but yeah, she's great. And then we, I need to read her new one as well. Um, she, uh, Katie also recommends Simone Stark's Written on His Skin. She says, short, maybe novella length, but really good for a first novel. Racy, though, so be warned. So mom can't read that one. Um, Nalini Singh's uh, Rock Kiss series is always a favorite. Rock Addiction is my fave. Also very hot. The spinoff series is called Hard Play and is pretty good as well. All of those sound like things mom can't read. Um, <laughs> she says, my favorite trope is found family. Do you have any recs for me? Found family. That's like, su- that's a good trope. First of all, my mind immediately goes to while you were sleeping, which is a movie, but I think that is like the ultimate found family. Um, I feel like if you read like a family series, there's always at least a couple books that are kind of like one of the parties finds a family within this big family that the series focuses on, if that makes sense. Well, we read um, While the Duke Was Sleeping, which is That's true. a spin-off of I don't think While you it was as found family, though, as the movie is. Um, true. But, like, I think of most of the, our, like, family series, like Bridgerton's or Winston's, um, there's always at least one book where you know a heroine finds family within this big family that i don't know does that make sense because i I can't think of any like off the top of my head that are like that but so if you have a found family recommendation for katie send them in and we'll get them over to her and then she says i'm always looking for books that translate well into audiobooks so any mention of those is appreciated Commutes are terrible, but audiobooks give me something to look forward to. She says, thanks again, ladies. Um, Mom is more the audiobook person. I mean, we will always recommend Wanderlust by Lauren Blakely because Richard Armitage. Richard Armitage. (laughs) Um, We really liked the um, Devil's Rock series, too. Yeah, that is a good audiobook, yeah. Some good sexy Texan voices in that. Yeah. Um, The... Honestly, the Winston Brother books, oh, gosh, that guy's voice just rocks my world. Yeah, and I um, <laughs> his Tennessee sex voice is my, um, but it, and along those lines, I also love Dan in 
marriage. Yeah, we love, like, for us, audiobooks with accents are just, like, so much more fun. Um, And I really like an audiobook that has the dual POV because then you get the two different narrators usually. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we always look for in the audiobooks. But as we encounter them, Katie, we will definitely let you know. Um, But, yeah. So thanks to... Katie and Paige and Kathy for those emails and Twitter questions. And uh, we always love getting those and having something to talk about. So um, we will see you next time with hopefully more emails and tweets and such. Hopefully. All right. Bye. Welcome back. In our last episode talking about Bulldozer, we put out the question on whether reading romance has given you unrealistic expectations in your own romantic life. And boy, did you all deliver. I also put out on social media the following question. In our next episode, we are going to be discussing the notion that many people seem to have that reading romance gives you unrealistic expectations of real life romance. So we want you to weigh in. Do you think your expectations have changed in a good way or a bad way? What kinds of things do you find romantic? Um, so we had a lot of people write in and I we loved it. Uh, it was so much fun to see what everybody thought on this question. Um, and I, we mentioned this last time, but we kind of got thinking about this because um, with uh, my current situation. Well, and with nothing that you've done or said, yeah. it's just the question came up because about, they know I like romance. Yeah. And so, you know, does she have unrealistic expectations of romance? Or do I have, not even unrealistic, but do I have lofty, you know? Like, yes. do I expect... Are you expecting great things? Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so we had a few of you weigh in. So Katie, who had emailed us in that we read during the break segment, uh, Homegirl wrote, had a lot of opinions on this. And I thought they were all <laughs> very interesting and good. So we're going to read what Katie had to say. She said, my opinions come from a 30-year-old married woman with a baby, and oh man, the question of unrealistic expectations really gets me fired up. First off, why is it considered unrealistic? That seems like an opinion of someone who doesn't read romance is yet another example of delegitimizing the genre and is frankly anti-feminist. Women expecting loving relationships with good people? How dare we? Even worse, expecting satisfying and fulfilling sexual relationships with orgasms? I don't get how all this is unrealistic or damaging. That should be baseline expectations. Maybe the idea that women are confusing would be debunked if men would read more romance. I realize this is generalizing, but what are your thoughts? Um, I think it would be fantastic if more men read romance. I completely agree. Well, first of all, I think romance gets a bad name because so many people don't understand and, what these books are about yeah. and, and are bashing it without even having... Any, you know, and mom can say that because she used to be one of those people. I did, I did, <laughs> without having any, you know, inkling as to what's going on in these books. Yeah, and like we talked about last time, uh, I think people just expect these grand gestures all the time. But I think reading romance has made me realize that just little flirty conversations or little, you know, uh, little acts of kindness and. Mm-hmm. Just little things are romantic. And if you're getting into the sex part of it, um, and I think someone brings this up in another comment, but reading romance helps you realize, 
okay, this is what I want, and I'm not going to settle for less than what I want. Mm -hmm. And it will make you, not you personally, I don't know, maybe, but (laughs) it makes you more communicative about, you know, what you want sexually and, uh, you know, what, what you expect. And I don't think it's wrong to expect that you get, you know. No, I think, I think that's completely valid. I think, um, it's definitely, you know, as we've talked about before on the show, I am a 31-year-old virgin, um, so it's not like I have much experience, but I think that these books have um, taught me how to talk about sex in a healthy way and um, how to, and like things that are realistic for me to expect and try and communicate that I want more. Bye. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, in, in when I eventually might someday get to have sex. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think that's all very healthy. Yeah. Um, and you know things that I was timid about when I first got married because I was also a virgin when I got married, mm-hmm. but um. And things that I was timid about and took me a while to kind of come around to. Mm-hmm. Not super long time, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I think that you'll be more outspoken about wants and needs. Yes, and... I will. <laughs> um, so Katie continues. She says, if you accept romance as unrealistic, then why do other genres not get the same judgment? People who read fantasy aren't accused of being able to unfunction to unable to function because they're waiting for something magical to happen in life. I cringe when people compare the relation between romance novels and women to the relationship between porn and men. But honestly, I think porn gives men more unrealistic expectations of what it portrays than romance novels do. Amen. I would agree with that 100%. Yes. Um, and I've heard that comparison as well. Um, but the thing that I think... You know, I think women do in part read romance novels because it is titillating and, you know, the sexy parts are sexy. Um, But I think that reading romance novels for women is triggering a different part of the brain than porn and men are getting. I agree. And I think, um, you know, like it's been likened to a porn addiction and it's like, no, I mean... I guess in some way I'm addicted to romance novels, but it's just because I'm addicted to the happy feels I get yeah. when I read them. Yeah, um, and it has or, little to do, at least for us, we will speak just for us, it has little to do with the sex scenes and more to do with the flirty banter and things like that. Right, and the happily ever afters. And yeah. uh, like I've, I've mentioned before, when I'm reading a book that's not a romance book, I think this could possibly not end well. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, so if I'm addicted to any portion of it, for me personally, it's not the sexy parts as much as just the happy feels parts. Yeah. Yeah. And so sue us for liking that. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I and a lot of other people kind of echoed that, um, you know, other genres don't get this kind of bad rap. And I do think there's something to what Katie says about it's more delegitimizing of the genre just because it's a genre that women happen to like. I think that right. that's valid. 
Um, that's extremely valid. Yeah. The romance mom on Instagram kind of echoed that genre um, sentiment as well. She said, I say no. I am 33 and have been reading romance since I was 12. It's interesting that people always bring this up to us romance readers. I mean, I'm not going up to mystery or crime thriller readers and saying, you know that in real life, mysteries and crimes go unsolved indefinitely, right? Or do you think reading crime thriller novels gives you unrealistic expectations of police and law enforcement? Just my thoughts. Um, yeah. No, but watching Forensics Files will because you think every <laughs> single case gets yeah. solved. Yes, that's true. Um, okay, some more people that weighed in. Antonella on Twitter, she said, Romance is in the little everyday things. These people don't know what they are talking about. My expectations didn't change. And yeah, I, and that gets echoed a lot with a lot of other people's comments as well. It's just, we we just like the little things. Um Paige, she says, reading this genre hasn't changed my expectations at all. Ultimately, the most romantic thing to me is when a person is considerate and thoughtful. My heart melts when this happens. And I think that's what all of us would kind of think. And that's not an unrealistic expectation. I don't think it is that a person be considerate and thoughtful. And I think it's made me more aware of, you know, because... Like we said last time, I think my husband really is better at these little romantic gestures than I am, mm-hmm. only because, I don't know, it's kind of my, I don't want to say, I don't know, <laughs> like it's kind of my job, oh, I don't want to sound, I have things that I do around the house and for the family that I just have always done, mm-hmm. and um, so when he helps with that, it it's like a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, I, but it also makes me more aware of the things I'm doing and, you know, that I need to be more affectionate and I need to, uh, so it makes me a better wife, I think, to read these books too. Yeah. So. And that's, that also gets echoed by some other people. Um, Sarah on Twitter, she says, it doesn't give me unrealistic expectations because it is fiction, but it has given me ideas and helped me figure out what I like to do in real life. And that kind of is like what you've said. Right. Um, Annie on Instagram said, I am 38 years old, happily married for 14 years, and I just started reading romance about three years ago with the hype of Fifty Shades. I think reading romance has brought me a lot of insight into myself and my relationships. I only wish I'd started sooner, as I probably would have better navigated my prior relationships and honestly been happier with myself and my expectations. Not every woman has friends and family they can openly discuss their relationships with. Reading romance has brought a whole community of voices that have supported myself, my sexuality, and definitely my relationship. The most romantic thing is when a guy says, you are the priority. That open communication of clear commitment and devotion I find so romantic. And yeah, I definitely right. and I think, think that that's true. I think they say that through actions sometimes more than words. Yeah, especially guys, right? I, and yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, I'm sure a lot of us have taken that quiz to find out like what your love language is. You know, there's like the five love languages of words of affirmation, physical touch, um, gifts. What are what are the other ones? Quality time, and there's the fifth one that I can't think of right now. And um, it's interesting to determine your own love language and then the love language of your partner. I am a quality time person, um, but, like, words of affirmation are less important to me um, than some of the other stuff. 
And I think that um, guys are not always great at the words of affirmation. So <laughs> That's probably why you're that way, because you were raised in our family. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, and I would agree with Annie that, um, yeah, I think that romance has taught me a lot about what I can expect and how I also personally can navigate personal relationships, you know, romantic or otherwise, but, um, and then Kristen on Instagram, her handle is see you in a porridge. Uh, but Kristen has communicated with us before and we, we love Kristen. She says, Oh, this is a good one. I've always loved books and love, but only switched to predominantly romance books in the last few years. So after I got married, I'm not sure it would have changed my expectations exactly, but it would have helped me realize what I want, what I didn't and what I wouldn't put up with. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of people realize these things by going through bad relationships prior to the one. So romance books are just an easier way to do it. Wink. Um, she says, I grew up in a somewhat prudish single parent household and romance books have definitely helped me feel more comfortable and confident in certain areas of my relationship. As for what I find romantic, if it's different in real life versus books. In real life, my husband surprising me with my favorite candy bar, driving me to work when it snows, or watching a rom-com with me, those things make my heart gooey. We recently lost our first baby a month ago at about 19 weeks. We both are devastated, obviously, but how he's been there for me, taking care of me even though he's going through it too, makes me feel super thankful and makes me love him more. But in books, the hero has to step it up a a teeny bit more than a candy bar. She says, I'm all about groveling, and when the quiet, broody guy shows he's been into the heroine and paying attention all along, and of course taking care of the heroine when she's sick, swoons so hard. I'm homesick with a stomach bug right now, and my husband is like, you good? I'm going to the gym. Bye. So yeah, (laughs) differences between books and real life, lol. Anyway, anywho, this comment is insanely long, so I'm going to stop. As always, love the podcast. I'm behind, but trying to catch up. Um, First of all, we, we we already sent our love to Kristen. We hope she's doing well. Um, but yeah, I think that that's true. I think that... I think a lot of us are... We have different expectations of our romantic heroes than we do of our real-life romantic heroes, you know? I think we understand... You it's know, fiction! That our, it's fiction! Yeah, yeah. And that our men, you know, we don't expect them to be like all of our book boyfriends we expect you know but when they go above and beyond what they usually do to help you make feel, make you feel good then that's that's super romantic and yeah. that's anyway. and yeah I think um I liked Chris I don't like what Kristen's going through but I liked her talking about that in relationship to real life romance because yeah. it made me think of the grip series by oh yeah Kennedy Ryan um but yeah, like going through real life stuff together and helping each other through it, that's romantic. Yeah. Um few more, I promise, not too many more. Audie Lou, she said, I just started following this Instagram, but I love this. I also just started reading romance within the last year. Honestly, my husband of almost six years isn't really romantic in the traditional sense. He's very much the moody, quiet, distant guy, but he listens to everything I say and all the details I give. He references Harry Potter randomly, even though he's never read it. (laughs) Um, He buys me books and snarky sweatshirts, even though he doesn't read and he hates the sweatshirt trend. I find all this so romantic in his own brooding way. 
But And when I read romance, I find that I'm so much nicer to him for some reason. I don't know why, but I feel more in love with him when I read about other people falling in love. Kind of like what you've said. Yeah. But yeah, just... And this this kind of is a, a trend throughout all of your guys' comments, but just when people pick up on little things about us, like when our significant others pick up on little things, um, that means so much, you know? And um, anyway... Blythe says, um, Blythe, who we love Blythe, on Instagram, she says, I don't, I don't think so. I know it's fiction and it acts as a nice escape from reality. All of my favorite romance tropes I would not want to happen in real life. I think I'm too anxious to deal with a a real marriage of convenience, lol. I think real life romance is simpler and wouldn't make for exciting reading, being there in small ways for each other. And I would agree with that. And then our last comment, no, sorry, this is not our last comment because we have some from Facebook still. <laughs> um, Simply Alexandra on Instagram, she says, I only started reading romance about a year ago and have been with my husband since we were 16 or 17, so it hasn't influenced my expectations. However, I think so much of the books is the tension, which of course happens in new relationships more. Not that you don't have it in long-term ones, but I feel like uh, that's a big difference. In real life, I find it romantic when my husband talks me out of anxious spells, cuddles up for a cute movie, or asks if I want to call him and take a walk together over the phone during a slow work day. I will say reading romance has only made me feel more affection and has only enhanced our our romantic relationship. Love the podcast, she says. I will also say that I appreciate more diversity in the characters uh, and would like to read more that are a little more body diverse. A man's worth is not in his abs, etc. Um, we're excited for the Dad Bod series that Penny Reed is yes. going to put out. I think that'll... It's hard to find books with... Yeah, it is. And that's I mean, a good point. I mean, almost all of them are... Yeah. Okay, and then hard. two more. I think that's it. Jennifer on Facebook, she says, I think it's allowed me to appreciate my spouse more in some areas, but also hope for more in some areas too. In real life, I'd like more words and romantic talks from him, but he shows me every day that he loves me with actions, so I'm quite happy with him, which is kind of like we said. I think I've noticed (laughs) that guys are less with the words and more with the actions, typically. I would agree. Typically, you know, different guys are different, yeah. of course. But um, I think typically guys are more comfortable with the actions than saying the words. Yes, sometimes. for sure. Um, and then Diana on Facebook, she said, I have always read romance, and since I have never been in relationships, this is a different perspective than we had from a lot of the others, she said, I don't know what to expect. Of course, I don't expect to have a crazy, passionate love story with a tortured alpha hero who is very good at sex, like most of the plots I have read in romance. I just know I want to be with someone like the heroes I've read, someone who is loyal, who can accept me, respect me, and love me the way I am, and be sweet with me, of course. I think that is what everybody looks for in a relationship, but sometimes I don't know if I should expect that, or maybe I'm just asking too much. I don't think so, Diana, but I'm also a romance reader. And she's, <laughs> and I think that's where the problem comes from. Some women think they're asking too much, so they just stick with a guy who doesn't appreciate them enough because they believe those qualities in a man only exist in books. Even though I get to see a lot of broken marriages or relationships around me that make me believe what I read in romance novels is just fiction. I found a happy couple together that gives me a little hope, and that, after all, the romance novels I read are based upon a real emotion, which is love. Um, 
And yeah, I I like what Diana said there about, um, you know, I think some people, you know, think that maybe that is asking too much. And so they get in situations that are not great. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the demand for respect and someone who shows affection, even just in little ways is not too much. It's not a high expectation. So I would like to point out also, because I myself have been married 30, almost 37 years. And so I have some experience with these things. Yes. Um, you know, marriages go through ebbs and flows. And mm-hmm. sometimes, depending on what's going on externally and internally in a family, uh, you know, there's more romance at some times and less romance at others. And sometimes you just kind of have to bulldoze your way through the the less times to make it to a, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm coming across with what I'm trying to say, but... Um, I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect, you know, grandiose or super romantic times all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes you don't. And if if it's bothering you, then you should definitely talk about it. But um, you just have to understand that marriage is. Well, it's it's especially with marriage. It's a daily grind. Right. I mean, it's right. It's like it's like a job in a, in a certain way in that. You're going to have days that are good. You're going to have days that are bad. And if you if it means something to you, you have to work at it, right? And and I guess because when you're, especially if you're in the per- time period where you've got a lot of small children at home, sometimes the romance kind of is put on the side burner while you're dealing with other things because usually that's a lot of times when new jobs are starting and, and you know, so it's a very demanding time on. So, you know, if, if the romance is gone, you need to just kind of step back, maybe talk to each other about it a little bit and say, you know, discuss it. Mm-hmm. But uh, just know that just because you're not in a super romantic place right now, it doesn't mean that the romance is gone. It just means that, you know, you need to find it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we want to thank you guys so much for sending in all of those thoughts. And I think we're going to do stuff like this more often just because we like hearing what everybody has to say rather than just us. Who wants to hear that? (laughs) 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 Um, so anyway, we hope that you guys liked that and we loved hearing from everybody about what they find romantic and just how we are, we are realistic creatures who don't expect too much, but that romance has kind of taught us you know, more about how we can, ex- what we can expect and things like that. And well, and more about ourselves, I think, in a lot of ways, yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. Again, if you'd like to join us for Rafe by Rebecca Weatherspoon, Weatherspoon in one week on February 11th, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at NotYourMom'sRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMom'sRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show and we just love to read them. All right. Thanks, Mom. Ellen, you're so welcome that my words of wisdom (laughs) 
flowed forth. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, Mom. Bye, Ellen.